Well, good morning again, and um, for those of you who are guests, thank you for coming and being a part of our service. I hope you're encouraged. Uh, we got some uh, students who are back from school or far, far away that are back, so welcome back, and to every one of you, thank you for being in this place today. Last Sunday was a very special day in spite of the weather. Um, we only had one service, but we had the kids up here singing with us, which is always entertaining, um, but it is... Um, it is so great to have a children's ministry that really teaches our kids about um, Jesus and to hear the young men quoting scripture and inspiring us. So that was very special. Then at the end of our service, we got to have Kyle Weibel. Um, Kyle was baptized into Christ. That's his wife, Tammy. And so there's Graham and Milo, who was the star of the kids portion of the show. Um, and that's little Marley. And so just uh, such an encouraging day. Um, and again, in spite of the snow and the weather. Um, and so I'm, I'm thankful for a church that makes a priority to bring people um, to Jesus Christ. I uh, want to mention to you that uh, Christmas Eve is Tuesday, um, and we have three services, so one at 2.30, one at 4, and one at 5.30, and we'd love to have you come to one of those, and we'd love to, for you to invite somebody to come. Christmas Eve is the time in which people are most open to things spiritual and would uh, welcome an invitation. Most of the people you will invite would love to be able to come to a Christmas Eve service and so take one of those cards and use that as an opportunity in those relationships you're building to invite somebody to come um, to one of our services. <clears throat> so I'm guessing your families like ours, we, we love Christmas music, um, you know, there's certain songs that we play at certain times of the year, like we have this whole album we play when we're putting up the Christmas tree. You know how some songs are, you hear this song and it kind of transports you back to a certain time and a certain place. And so there's a lot of meaningful Christmas songs. So if you were to say, here's on my, one of my top meaningful Christmas songs, what might that be? What would you say that would be? What? Silent Night? Joy of the World? Okay, a little town. Any others? Holy night. What was another one? Grandma got run over. Yeah, that's that's meaningful. That's meaningful. I appreciate my wife mentioning that to y'all. But it does tend to take the direction I usually go. So there's a lot of meaningful songs, and then there's a lot of songs that, um, well, we wouldn't classify them as special. So like that one, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Yeah, that's that one. How about All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. That's kind of a strange Christmas song. Uh, I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. That's one, right? My favorite is I Farted on Santa's Lap. I mean, that's just, you know, I'm a junior high boy at heart, so, you know, that's my favorite. So Patty, uh, my wife, was with our granddaughter, Lael, who's four, and they, um, they heard the song, I Saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus, and she was appalled. I mean, she was really worried by that song. It's like, I don't think so. So there's a lot of strange Christmas songs. But I have to say that my favorite is sung by Jeff Foxworthy, the redneck, 12 Days of Christmas. 12 pack of Bud, 11 wrestling tickets, 10 of Copenhagen, 9 years probation, 8 table dancers, 7 packs of Redman, 6 cans of Spam, 5 4 Big Matars, 3 shotgun shells, 2 hunting dogs, some parts to a Mustang GT. You come to church to get that kind of stuff, right? I mean, you know, it's my wife has been heavily influenced by her husband in that regard. 
So songs are meaningful and significant, and there is some valuable ones that really do, when we sing them, it's like they take us back or they remind us sometimes of what is most important. And so that's why we're in this series called Carols. We're just, we picked a handful of meaningful, significant songs that point us to Jesus Christ to kind of help us as we move towards Christmas to, to focus and to be ready and to think about the real meaning of Christmas. And so today is the song, O Come All You Faithful. So we sang that uh, the last part of our time of worship, O Come All You Faithful. It's an invitation, right? It's an invitation for us to come to the manger. And for us, we recognize it's not just a baby that's in the manger, but that's God himself who stepped out of heaven to come to this earth to show us how to live, to show us the love of God, but ultimately to give his life for all of us on the cross. But the title of that song, or at least the main line, can mess us up a little bit. Oh, come all ye faithful. You may think, well, if the invitation is only to the faithful, then what am I doing here? Because I do have those moments of being faithful, but let's face it, the majority of my life, I really struggle with faithful and maybe faithless, or at least how I live my life sometimes, might demonstrate how I happen to live. I think it, it's something, at least if we're honest, for most of us, we wrestle with that. We understand that we come to Christ and He's the one that saves us from our sins. I have that desire, but I, I also know the sinful side of my life and the things that I wrestle with and the things that I struggle with. And so today, as we continue this series with that song, O Come All Ye Faithful, we're going to see um, a part of the Christmas story that reminds us that God somehow, for some reason, put into this Christmas story the invitation to people who really are on the outside. So we're going to Take a look at the story of the Magi or the wise men from Matthew chapter 2. So I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 2. There's a Bible in front of you or your phone or your tablet or the one that you brought. We're going to talk about the story of the Magi from the East. So I want to ask you a couple questions to see how much you know about the wise men, okay? So the first question is this. Name the three wise men who visited the stable where Jesus was born. And you get extra credit if you can spell their names correctly, okay? So name the three wise men who visited the stable where Jesus was born. Anybody name them? What? Okay, got one name there. How do you spell that? Anybody know how you spell that one? No, don't. It, it, it really is kind of a trick question, okay? Because we don't know the names of the wise men. In fact, we don't even know that there were three of them. Why do you think we think there were three of them? Three gifts, right? That makes sense. I mean, that fits. I mean, I understand that. Three gifts, three wise men. But we don't really know that. We don't know their names. Um, but we know that they came to see Jesus. But it, as we all see in the story, they didn't come to the manger or the stable. They actually came to a house and he's actually called a child. So that's question one. Most of you failed that one. That's okay. Question two is, why was the wise men's hair singed? Because they came from afar. All right, so let's talk about, let's talk about these guys and their story. Because the truth is, as we look through this, this is not crucial to the Christmas story. The wise men, their story, they don't, it doesn't have to be there. 
But for some reason, God puts their story in there. And I think the reason he puts their story in us is to give us a glimpse of the heart of God, that God is drawing even those who are on the outside, especially those who are on the outside to him. And that's good news for all of us because every single one of us at some time in our life, we're on the outside. And we're in need of this love that comes from God. So the message of Christmas is that Jesus invites all of us to come. Oh, come all ye faithful and faithless and doubting and struggling, those who are sinful, no matter our past or our burden or our struggle or our past experience, no matter even our understanding of who God happens to be, it is an invitation for all of us to come to Jesus Christ. So here's the key today. Jesus calls the faithful and the faithless, and the outsider, and the sinner. So we're going to listen to Matthew 12, the story of the Magi. You follow along in your Bibles, but let's listen to this being read to us together. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, They offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. So who are the we three kings? Who are these guys that came to worship Jesus Christ? It's really a little difficult to answer that. We don't get much from the scripture here. What we know is that... Um, They came from the east as they arrived in Jerusalem. Uh, We don't even know where they originated, though sometimes it's thought that it would have been kind of north or northeast of Babylon, which is interesting to the story. Um, We don't know their names, though history, you know, gives them some names. Some people think that they represent three different groups of people. We We don't know that. What we do know is that they did come to worship Jesus Christ. They came because they were drawn by some sign in the heavens. Now, whether that was God putting that sign in the heaven, I think God directed it at the very least, 
It could have also been a tie to because of the area that they came from, the area of Babylon. This was an area where much of the Jewish nation lived for at least a period of 70 years after they had been taken into captivity. And so they would have influenced even an area like that. So it's possible that they know, knew about it through that or that God used some of that with the sign in heaven. But whatever the source, they came to Jerusalem to worship the newborn king of the Jews. The problem is they would not have fit into the category of the faithful according to Jew, Jewish, Jewish law. See, if they would have tried to go to the temple, they would have been rejected because they were outsiders. They were foreigners. They couldn't have come to the temple to worship God. Yet here they are coming to worship this baby Jesus. It's not the type of people that you would think God would have chosen to have come visited Jesus. So why include this story? I mean, why did God include this story? I mean, we don't know. I can't read God's mind, and neither can you. Um, what we know from the story is this, that God included these outsiders as another imprint is planned to draw all of humanity to him, that all are welcome to him. He was planning on a future not too much in the distance from the birth of Jesus Christ in which it wouldn't just be the Jewish nation that would be welcome, but it would be all of humanity that would be welcome. And never doubt the plan of God as he works to draw all of humanity to him, to salvation, to meet this baby, Jesus Christ. Now, there's a couple things I notice about these guys. Number one, they were very determined men. Again, we don't know where they came from, but what we do know is that they would have had to have traveled all across the Middle Eastern desert to have arrived there, which meant it would have taken a minimum of four months and up to two years for them to have made this trip. And they didn't know exactly what they would find. They just saw a star in heaven. They knew that this would be the baby, a born king of the Jews. And so that takes a lot of determination on their behalf. But I also note that they came with an open heart and with open hands. They came to worship him, to worship this baby. And that's significant because it's generally thought that because of the wealth that they had, these were people of significance, maybe even royalty. But they also came with open hands, which was a representation of who they thought this person was. They were willing to give these significant gifts that would have cost them greatly. And even in the gifts, it's quite possible that God was providing for Jesus as a baby who was born to very poor parents by the gifts that they were given there. So as we look at this story, what is it that you and I need to learn about coming to Jesus Christ? What do we learn from these magi? The first thing is this, that God draws all of humanity to himself. He draws all of humanity to himself. I mean, if he could put a star up in the heavens to draw these guys to him, if he could put prophecy all throughout the ages to guide us to him, then God can work in your life and in my life to draw us to him. He can, he can do anything. He can use anything he wants to to draw us to him. And God's done that throughout time. And speaking to his nation who were in captivity, through the prophet Jeremiah, he reminded them in Jeremiah 31.3, he says, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with an unfailing kindness. They were in captivity at this time. But God was reminding them that he was continuing to bring them back to him. 
And so how does God bring all of humanity to him? Well, Jesus answered that question in John 12, 32. Jesus says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And that word draw that Jesus uses there, it's to attract powerfully. It's a force that's so strong, it's almost irresistible. But how did that happen when Jesus was lifted up? Meaning, when Jesus was on the cross, his crucifixion, his sacrifice was what draws all of humanity to God. Jesus' very life and ultimately the death, his sacrifice on the cross would be the draw to all mankind to him. Now what's interesting is that that pull of God in our hearts, that same pull, you know, the cross, Jesus even said, Scripture teaches that sometimes that's like a stumbling block to some people. They hear about the cross and it's like, I can't, you know, I can't even fathom that. And you need to understand that as God is working on your heart and pulling to Him, God in His sovereign grace, He allows us sometimes to resist. And for some of you, it's, it's something you need to wrestle with. Because as you resist the pull of God in your life, what does that say about your need? What does that say about your relationship to Him? But no matter where you are in your walk, God is orchestrating situations and relationships to bring you to Him. Now, there's a lot of us in this room that understand what it's like to be a part of the faithless, right? We struggle even sometimes coming to church because we know the things that we've done in our life. To dwell on the sins and mistakes of our not-so-distant past, sometimes we think, I don't, I don't really deserve that. Or to think, you know, since I didn't really grow up in the church, I'm kind of a second-class Christian. Or to continue to struggle with the sin, you know. I mean, we all wrestle with sin in our life. And, you know, when it confronts us and when we lose to it, sometimes we can think, well, am I still welcome to God? And so I think a part of the purpose of the Magi was for God to demonstrate that it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, even if you're on the outside, that God is working in your life to draw you to Him, that all are welcome and even called by God. In fact, here's how Paul said it in 1 Timothy 1. Paul's writing, he says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why this baby came. But then what does he say? Of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul's saying, I'm a display of God's immense patience, of his love, that he, if he would save me, he's willing to save anyone. And the magi are a display of God's love for humanity, that God would allow those who are on the outside. You need to understand that it's not an accident that one day you chose to walk into a church building and heard the message of Jesus Christ for the first time. It's not an accident that someone came along in your life and they begin to share with you about Jesus Christ and influence you. It's not an accident that there are certain circumstances and situations that occur in your life that it's almost like it just points you right to God and your desperate need for Jesus Christ in your life. It's not an accident because God is using circumstances, good ones, and challenging ones. God's using 
people in your life. God's obviously using his word. God's using his spirit, but he's using all of those forces for the purpose of drawing us to a relationship with him. The God of glory has been drawing you to him since your very birth. So we're a lot like the Magi in this. Chances are you have a star in your life or multiple ones. You may just never have recognized it. It's somebody who's in your life who God's trying to use to get you to, to listen to him and pay attention to him. It could have been a book that you've read. It may have been a chance encounter with the person that you, you met for the first time, or it could have been a person that you've known for years and years. It could have been an experience that you went through. It was like in that moment, God seemed to just really pull on your heart. It could have been when you walked in through the doors of a church building. It could have been some event. But what's happening is this. God's trying to get your attention and my attention. God's trying to draw us to him. The question is, will we listen to him? Will we follow him? Because right now, just like the Magi, he's pulling on our hearts. Will we respond? But there's a second lesson we learn from the Magi is that they teach us that coming to the baby requires humility. It requires humility. They came to worship. They came to worship this baby. They recognized, even as they said to Herod, we, we've come to meet and to recognize and to worship the king of the Jews. And so they demonstrated that though they had wealth and status or even possibly nobility, what were they willing to do? They were willing to worship the baby. The word worship means to bend the knee to recognize that this one is in authority over me, that they're way more significant than I am. And so we're to humble our hearts and our lives as well. David said in Psalm 18, 27, God, you save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. Psalm 29, or 25, verse 9, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. James 1.21, therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. 1 Peter 5.6, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. They teach us this need of humility, of true humility. See, Herod in our story was good at faking it. You know, he said when the Magi came to him and they wanted to know, and so he talked to the religious leaders, which that's a whole different story there. But what did Herod say? He says, well, when you find the baby, come back and let me know so that I can go and worship him. I mean, he was pretending. He wanted to kill him off. Be careful, you know, of this pretend kind of humility in our life. In fact, I have a feeling that for most of us, we have an understanding because God's been working on our life of the areas that we need to exercise this humility. But they also came with their hands full of gifts. And these are expensive gifts, okay? I mean, I give okay gifts, but these are significant kinds of gifts. So what was the first gift they brought? Gold. They brought gold, right? That's for royalty. When they gave the gift of gold, in essence, what they were saying is, this baby is king. He's our king. Okay, gold. What's the second one? Frankincense, all right? Frankincense, it's a, it's a sense, it's an incense. It was used in the worship. It was very rare, very, very costly. 
but it was used in the worship of a temple, and by giving it, they were saying, he's worthy of our worship. This is God. And then the last one is myrrh. Now, this is an odd gift to give to a baby. This is the equivalent of giving a tombstone or giving a a casket as a baby gift because myrrh was used to embalm dead bodies. And so by giving this very expensive spice, in essence, what they were saying, whether they knew it or not, is that this baby was born to die, that he came to give his life for every single one of us. But their worship, their bending the knee to this baby, their giving of gifts reveals their humility in the presence of the Lord of the universe in the form of this tiny little baby. And to come to him, it requires humility. God's not in the business of, you know, humiliating us. But he knows that unless we're willing to humble ourselves, in other words, to say, you know what? There's just not enough within me to be able to be good enough for God. You know, there's not enough. I don't have enough understanding, knowledge. I don't have enough goodness in me. I just can't come before God with what I have. And it's really a willingness to just open our hearts and empty our hands and say, God, I got nothing to give you, but you have everything to give me and I need you. Jesus set that example. Paul says that he humbled himself when he came to this earth to give his life on the cross for you and me. And so to receive him as Savior and Lord requires a repentance and a humble heart. Repentance, that's such an important word that's tied very specifically to salvation. Repentance is the change of an attitude. Repentance means I I recognize that I've been making choices and decisions in my life the way I want to make it. Sometimes they work out good. Most of the time they don't work out that good. But repentance is acknowledging that's not the way. And from that moment on, I choose to live the way he wants me to live. It's a change of an attitude and a viewpoint towards the life that I'm supposed to live. But that takes humility, right? That's tough because we want to Be the one that guides and directs our lives, but a heart that is willing to recognize that we're lost and hopeless without him is a heart that's ready to receive Jesus Christ. So the Magi reveal that God calls the outsider and the faithless. For that, I'm so grateful that it is an invitation, right? Oh, come, all ye faithful. O come, all ye faithful, one of the greatest Christmas carols ever written. You've probably heard it hundreds of times, but there's a word in the song that's a bit out of place, and it's right in the title, O come, all ye faithful. You see, Jesus didn't come for the faithful. He came for the faithless. He came not for the righteous, but for the sinners. Jesus said, the healthy don't need a doctor, the sick do. He came for the hurting. He came for the doubters. He came for those who have written God off and want nothing to do with him. He came for one reason, so that we, the faithless, could be made faithful. Not by our own righteousness, but by his righteousness. No matter what you've done or what you've been through, Jesus came for you. So come, come all ye faithless, and he will make you joyful and triumphant. Christ is in our midst, right here, right now. So come.
Come all you faithful, but come all you faithless and outsiders and sinners. Let him be the one that transforms your heart and your life and saves us, you know, from the bondage of our sin. So today, what do you need to do in regard to this message? What kind of choices do you need to make today? If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, that's the decision you need to make today. Like Kyle did last week, you stand in front of a group of people and you declare the faith and trust that you've put in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. You demonstrate that attitude of repentance, of saying, he's my Lord, I want to make him Lord. Then even as I talked with Kyle about last week, you know, baptism, it's an interesting, there's so much symbolism represented in baptism but in one sense, it's a humbling act. It's not humiliating, but it's a humbling act because you take off your clothes, you put on shorts, a t-shirt, or a white gown. You know, if you got a nice hairdo, it tends to mess up your wonderful do. You know, it's like you go underwater, you're kind of letting yourself be in control of somebody else for a period of time. But it's such a great representative, at least one portion of it is that I'm surrendering myself to Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross. Maybe today is the day that you need to say yes to Jesus Christ. But even for some of us, today is the day to wrestle with that humility question. Do I really recognize my desperate need of Jesus and what he does for me in my life? You know, is there something that he's calling on me to let go of and to release, to give to him because it's really holding me back from my walk with him? I pray today that you will wrestle with all of those. Let me, let me pray for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your great mercy and grace. That on this day, we get to recognize and be reminded of the love you have for us through this baby Jesus and that you invite us to come to you. That you take our sinful, lost, doubting, struggling, outside condition and Father, you save us and you make us belong. You're the one that makes us faithful and for that we thank you, Lord. And so today as we reflect, as we continue to worship, Lord, just move in our hearts. Bring us closer to your presence this day. In your most precious name we pray, amen.